Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, City Lights Church. It is wonderful to be with you guys today. I hope you're all cozy and happy in your living room or wherever you're joining us from. I am actually in my home, so this is kind of fun. We're doing this a little different this morning. Hey, we hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas. Um, Hope you got to spend some time doing the things that you love. And now we are looking forward to 2021. In just a few days, that ball is gonna drop and we are going to say goodbye to 2020. How many of you are thankful for that? Yes, I am too. All right, well, I thought as we get started this morning, we would do a quick top three of what we learned from 2020. Um, We probably could do a top 100, but for the sake of time and to actually uh, have a message today, I'm gonna narrow it down to the top three. So, okay, Uh, number three, coming in at a very uh, very close number three as to number two, that didn't make a lot of sense, but whatever. Coming in at number three is, um, hey, the world finally got caught up with the cruise lines in regards to hand sanitizer, okay? Hand sanitizer is now one of the biggest crazes in the world. And I want you to know that cruise lines have actually done this for years and years. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise, but our family has taken a few. And the people that work there walk around with those uh, sanitizer bottles. And if you get ready to go eat, if you get ready to go to the restroom, if you get ready, if when you leave the restroom, when you wanna go into play bingo or go wherever, they're just like washy-washy and they put hand sanitizer on your hand and you wash it. So the cruise lines have had it for years. I bet, I bet 2020 people, like the COVID people were probably asking hand, um, the, the cruise lines, how to do this thing with hand sanitizers because they had it down. So uh, so that comes in at three, hand sanitizer. All right, coming in at number two is toilet paper is really taken for granted. Come on, that is absolutely true. Toilet paper was taken for granted. Of course, we've always needed it, it's definitely a necessity, but when you can't get your hands on it, oh my goodness, that's stressful, and you will pay such a high price just to get some, am I right? Come on. In fact, we even got some as a Christmas gift this year. Yeah, one of my neighbors gave it to us, that was nice. I'm gonna show you something, and I hope you are not offended by it. Here, this is our Christmas gift from one of our neighbors. Can you guys see that? Can you read it? Pull it back a little bit, okay? I know, right? It says, in case you get C-R-A-P for Christmas, and then some toilet paper to go with it. Okay, if you have a problem with me saying that word, I'm sorry, you can write Pastor Kurt and Pastor Emily a letter, but come on, a Christmas present, toilet paper. This is the year to get toilet paper. That's pretty clever, that's funny. Right here, okay. I'm trying to make sure you guys get to see it. Christmas gift, right there. Okay, putting it down, it's done. All right. Toilet paper. So that was number two. So we had hand sanitizer, number three. Value of that, incredible. The value of toilet paper. We definitely have learned that we will pay high prices for that. And then coming in at number three, 
and or number one is not number three. This is absolutely number one. And this is actually a lot more serious. And it's where we're going to go today is the promises of God still stand true. This is my Bible, everything written in the word of God, everything spoken over our lives. It reigns and rings just as true today as it did yesterday, as it did in 2010, as it did in 2000, as it did in the, did in the 90s, as it did at the very beginning of time. The promises of God still are still as alive, active, and they will do everything they have set out to do and accomplish. Everything they are meant to accomplish. And so we are going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the promises of God. And the title of my message is called Stewarding Well the Promises of God. How do we steward the promises of God in our lives? Um, things that he's spoken to us individually, uh, promises he has over our families, and again, the promises that are in the word of God. How do we steward those when it seems like everything around us is falling apart? Um, you know, circumstances we find ourselves in, situations, none of them are lining up to what we feel like would be God's promise over our lives. How do we steward that? How do we walk through that? How do we power and plow through those seasons? That's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to Hebrews 11. That's the faith chapter. We're going to begin there. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's read verse 6. It says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This word believe here in this verse, it's a Greek word, and it's the Greek word pistio. And it, it's a word that it means what we think it would mean, okay? It means to think to be true, to be persuaded of, to credit, to place confidence in, and to entrust a thing to one, okay? When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we say we believe in him, we're putting our confidence, our trust, we're entrusting our lives to him. All right, I wanna highlight three, three points in this verse. We're just gonna kind of break this verse apart real quickly. First thing I wanna point out here is that it is, it is possible to not please God. I know I said that kind of weird. If we don't have faith, we cannot please him. I mean, how many of you wanna please God? This isn't a trick question, right? I know I do, and without faith, it's absolutely impossible to do it. We have to have faith. We have to steward faith. We have to protect our faith. We have to be mindful of it. And when, when it begins to sway or things of the world try to attack that faith, we've got to be quick to recognize. It is faith that pleases God. All right, the second part of this verse, look at this. You must believe that he exists. This is how we please God. You have to believe that he exists. Okay, agnostic people will say, yeah, I, I believe there's a God. There's some God. I don't exactly know who he is, but we have to know who he is. We have to believe he exists. Let's back this up with some scripture because it's pretty specific what we must believe in order to please him. John 3, 16, very familiar portion of scripture. says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
believes in him, believes in Jesus Christ. All right, and John 14, 6, Jesus says this, no one comes to the Father but through me. We cannot know, we cannot know God the Father unless we believe and put our faith in Jesus Christ. And then we know the Father, right? Third point about this verse, it's pretty simple, right? You must believe that he rewards those who seek him earnestly, okay? We gotta know who he is, we gotta believe in him, but this is the, this is the quencher here. You got clincher. <laughs> You've got to believe that he rewards those who seek him earnestly. Mark 21, 22 says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That's a pretty good promise right there. Mark eleven twenty four says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And James 1, 5 and 6, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. You must have confidence. You must entrust that thing to the Lord. You must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. All right. It is so important that we believe in the Lord, that we trust him with promises he's given us, even if we haven't seen the fulfillment of those promises. When the world is wild, like, like a year of 2020, that his word will come to pass no matter what, that he has good thoughts towards us. He has a good plan for our lives. We have to believe this. We have to have faith and confidence in him that he will accomplish what he has purposed to do. All right. One man, I want to spend the remainder of our time talking about um, one particular man in the Bible who exemplifies believing and having faith in the Lord really well. This is Abraham. We're all familiar with the story of Abraham. He's, uh, he's a pretty amazing guy. In Genesis 15, 6, it says that Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is a powerful statement right here. It was through Abram's constant believing, trusting the Lord. It doesn't mean it was always easy, but God said, that's a righteous person right there. That's a righteous person. When you and I accept Christ as Lord and Savior, we actually take on the righteousness of God. It's completely miraculous. It doesn't make sense in our human mind. It truly is an act of God. All right. But when, when I um, start looking at a particular word or start studying a subject, I love to see where it starts in the Bible and start um, seeking out kind of the circumstances surrounding that. And so this word believe that we're talking about today, this is the first verse in the Bible where it's ever, it, it's brought onto the scene. And God brings it on at a point in Abraham's life where he's walked this journey and he's been promised things like, you're going to be a father to the, of this nation. You're, this nation, the nation of Israel is going to be yours. 
and you are going to have numerous children. Your children are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. When these promises first come to Abraham from the Lord, Abram is probably, I, I'm guessing, around 70 years old. Okay, he's already well in age and he has no children. So to hear a promise like you're going to have that many kids, it, it's kind of wild. It's kind of crazy, right? It, it, basically, in our, in our human understanding, that is impossible. But Abram decided to believe the Lord. I'm going to flip between Abraham and Abram probably because the story that we're really going to talk about today is when Abraham was still Abram. God changed his name to Abraham later on. All right, we're going to look at this small part of the story. We're going to look at the very beginning of Abram's call from the Lord. God calls him out of the land of the Chaldeans. Okay, so, so if, I, if you're looking at me and I'm a map of Israel and kind of the world, I'm, I'm going to use my hands to describe and show you the direction that Abraham's journey is going to go. And the reason this is so important is because it, it's important that we understand the placement here because we're going to bring this all full circle towards the end. So Abram's kind of over here, and, and this is the land of, of Israel. And Abram kind of drops in over here, and, and he begins his journey, as God calls him, into Israel. He's coming in from the north, and he's moving his way downward into the country. And the first place he comes to is a, a town or a city called Shechem. And here is when the Lord says, hey, hey, Abram, you're going to be a father to many. You're going to have so many kids. You're, you can't even count them all. That's how many. And remember, Abram's got no children. Him and Sarah have no children at this point. And so Abram's response to that word that we will see is he builds an altar. He builds an altar to the Lord. He says, okay, I don't know how that's going to happen, but I've heard the word of the Lord and I'm going to build an altar. Altars are important. Okay, in the Old Testament, they were often built with stones. Um, men and women would use stones and stack them on top of each other. And then when, when people would come by, or even, even those people that the promise was given to, when they would come back to that altar, they would remember. It was a reminder of what the Lord had spoken to them. All right? I don't know about you guys, but this is my form of an altar, okay, in my life. This is my journal. If you're not a journaler, I want to encourage you to become a journaler. <laughs> this is um this is when you when you spend time with the Lord in the morning or the evening or whenever your quiet time is, and He begins to download things to you. He begins to speak to you about your life, about your marriage, your family relationships, or even promises in His Word that begin to stick out to you. Like um, you can write those down in your journal and date them. And as time progresses and you don't see the fulfillment of those promises, you can go back, go back to that journal and say, God, this is what you told me on this date in this year. And I believe that you will bring it to fulfillment. And the best part is when it does come to fulfillment, you can go back and look, wow, that took four years to accomplish. That took a week or whatever it is. Become a journaler. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a form of an altar in today's day and age. All right, from there, from Shechem, Abram uh, picks up his tents and they continue down, down into Israel, and they come to their second stop. And this is where we're gonna land today. 
Guys, I want to encourage you, slow down when you read the Word of God. Understand what is going on. Understand the circumstances. Understand the situation. Try to um, envision what the person is going through. When you slow down your reading, gold pops up. And you're like, whoa, I've never seen that before. So here we go. We're going to talk about this. We're going we're gonna to read this verse real quick, and then we're going to look at it, and um, I think it'll bless you. This is Genesis 12, 8. It says, From there he, Abram, went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Okay. Here's what I believe Abram is going through right now. I believe Abram is encountering some discouragement. I believe he's encountering some um, disbelief, some unbelief. His faith is being a little shaken right here. Why? Because God told him he's supposed to be the father of this nation and he's supposed to have numerous children. And he's, he's walking, he's taking one step at a time, but he's not seeing the fruition of, these, of this yet, of this promise, right? And so we see... Uh, Abram come to this place again with Bethel to his west and Ai on his east. Now, before we go too much further, what are the Hebrew meanings of these two towns? Let's get the position here. Bethel is on his west. Bethel means the house of the Lord, house of God. Okay, so we've got the house of God on his right. To his left is Ai. The, the name or the meaning of Ai, Ai means to bend to twist, and to ultimately ruin, okay? That, that is the meaning of these two towns, these two cities. It also means a heap of ruins, okay? So we see Abram come to this place. He's got the house of the Lord on this side, and he's got um, twisting, bending, possibly ruining things on this side. And it says that Abram called on the name of the Lord. He built this altar, and then he called on the name of the Lord this time. He built the altar first, then he called on the name of the Lord. Doesn't tell us what he said. It just gives us that order. Here's what I believe he did. He came to this point and he said, God, your promises, the house of the Lord gave me promises, but the enemy of my soul is trying to bend and twist and confuse the promise of God because the goal of Satan in our lives, the goal of the devil is to shake our faith and to try to ruin and to bring down the promises of God over us. If he can do that, he is a happy, evil person. <laughs> okay. But Abram, so we see Abram come to this point. He's between both the promises of God and, and, um, and a fight for his faith to hold on to those, um, twisting and bending and perverting the promises of God. And it says, what did Abram do? He stopped and he built the altar first. He remembered the promise of God first. It's like he said, I don't know how this is going to come to pass, but first I'm going to acknowledge the promise and then I will call on your name, Lord. I will call out to you and say, yes, yes and amen. I don't know how all this is going to go down, but God, if you spoke it, you're the one that's going to have to bring it to pass. All right. Now remember, Bethel is to the west. Ai is to the east. Okay. Um, now I, I want to look at, at the... Um, a couple things David said in Psalms as we continue to kind of bring this home. King David, um, in Psalm 16, verse 8, 
says this, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Okay? With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I want to tell you something real quick before we go much further. The Hebrew meaning for the word believe, one of its meanings means to turn to the right. It's a simple phrase. It means to turn to the right. It's the Hebrew word amen. Amen. And it means believe. Okay? Let me read again what King David says here in Psalm 16, verse 8. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Okay, so the picture we get is King David standing and holding on to the Lord's hand, right? You see that? Okay, now if you look at Psalm 110, verse 1, it says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Okay, look at the look at the emphasis on that. The Lord. Lord is capital there. So like the actual Lord God says to my Lord, says to David, sit at my right hand. Okay? So in one instance, David is sitting at the Lord's right hand, and in the other one, David has God at his right hand. What is that a posture, a position of? It's a it's a very um intimate position. It is the two of them holding hands, looking at each other eye to eye. Do you see that? Now let's take that and go back to the place of Abraham. Abraham's in a place where his faith is being shaken, believing the promises that God has spoken of his, of, uh, over his life. They are being, um, they're, they're being, uh, man, what's the word I'm looking for? Tried, right? He's, he's being shaken. He's being tested like the enemy of our soul and his soul was trying to twist and to bend that. And the Lord said, hey, hey, Abram, believe in me, believe. And Abram, in that, in that moment, I believe that he turned to the right and he looked towards Bethel. He looked at God because Bethel was on his right. AI would have been on his left. This full Hebrew picture says, Abram, I know, I know it doesn't make sense right now. I know these promises are very difficult for you to take in right now. But if you will trust me, if you will make a positional turn, turn to the right, look in my face, trust me, be intimate with me, I will bring it to pass. And I will give you the confidence to continue to move forward and do all that I've called you to do. In a simple place, it gives us a, a full picture of what Abraham, a man just like you and I, was going through. It's no different for us today. God may have spoken promises over you maybe five years ago, three years ago, a year ago, and then 2020 hit, and you're like, this is impossible. How will this ever happen? Maybe some of you have businesses. You feel like they're going under, they're going down. Um, what did the word of the, what's the word of the Lord to you? What did he promise you in these moments? This is the moment where we turn to the right and we look at him. We know that we're at his right side and he's at our right side. And we say, God, I'm going to look in your face. Remind me of your promises. Remind me of your goodness. And he will take care of it and bring those things to pass. I want to end by sharing a story, a quick story of a um, situation, not a situation, but a journey my husband and I went on a few years ago. 
We worked at a church in Loveland called Res for about nine years. We were on their pastoral staff and, and loved it. It was the greatest thing in the world. We thought we would retire there. And one day, um, well, it wasn't a day, it was more like a season. We began a stirring in our hearts and the Lord began to, to start changing, um, changing us. And we were like, what is going on? And we really felt like he was saying, your time here is done. And we couldn't understand that at first. We're like, what are you talking about? It's the greatest thing ever. Why are you calling us out of this? And the Lord's like, you know, because I asked you to come. I asked you to go. I'm asking you to leave. And so um, after we kind of came to grips with that, we both decided, okay, we'll leave, but we've got to have another job lined up because that's wisdom. How many of you would agree? If you're going to leave one job, you should find another job first. So my husband began looking on... Um, churchstaffing.com to see what else he could find. I was praying and reading and, and just saying, all right, Lord, we'll do it. We will resign, but, but what do you have for us? And the Lord spoke to my heart individually, and then he spoke to Adam's heart, but he said the exact same thing. And that was, I didn't ask you to look for another job. I asked you to step out. I asked you to leave. And that was crazy. And in that moment, both the Lord confirmed that to me and then he confirmed it to Adam. And we knew, okay, we have to just do this no matter what it costs. We had many tears. We prayed through this, but we said, no matter what happens, we are in this together and we're going to follow Jesus. We actually had a friend come to us and say, oh, this is your Abraham moment. And I'm like, oh, what's that? That doesn't sound very fun. Like, Oh, you know, when you just go out, just do what the Lord says, who knows what you know, what'll happen? I'm like, it is. You can't see more than two feet in front of you and you just keep walking. And so we resigned from the church. We didn't have a job lined up. The Lord did give us some direction and, and we began to, to move into our next season and move through this next journey. This was in July. And come that November, we, um, we had pushed, ran through a lot or moved through a lot of our savings. Um, we, were, we were doing okay, but definitely we weren't making enough money to pay all the bills. And I remember one November morning, it, uh, probably about in the, in the middle of November, I was sitting, I woke up early, and I, um, I, my routine, especially in the cold, wintry months, is I get up really early, get my coffee, and I go and I sit on our heat vents and on the floor in our living room and turn up the heat a little bit and get warm, and it's fantastic. Grab my Bible, and I just have some time with Jesus. And this particular morning, I went down, and I was feeling pretty discouraged, um, had a, was a little anxious. Um, again, it's the middle of November, and we don't have a lot of money coming in, and I know Christmas is right on the heels of November. And my heart just began to cry out to the Lord, and I'm like, God, I wanna give my kids a good Christmas. And, um, and I, you know, I just want to know, Lord, is, is, am I going to lose everything? You know, are we going to lose the house? Do we need to sell off some of these things we love? We had agreed, my husband and I, that if it costs everything, we're going to do it. Right. And so I know the Lord knew my heart, but I just needed, I needed some, um, just a word from the Lord, just him, just knowing he was still in this with us, that we hadn't gone off the rail, we weren't going crazy and that he was right there with us and there were still really good things in store. 
And so I, I did one of those, like, I'm just going to open my Bible and see what pops up. And hopefully, you know, it'll be that magic thing that jumps off the page. And happened to open my Bible and I read Psalm 81. Wasn't anything amazing. It's a pretty short chapter. And actually, when I got done, I think I felt a little more discouraged, maybe a little angry with the Lord, just feeling like I'm crying out to you. I'm pouring my heart out to you and you are not listening is really how I felt. And I remember forcefully shutting my Bible and tossing it off to the side and, and just beginning to weep. I just put my head in my knees and just began to cry. And I felt the Lord say, look up, look up, Leslie. And I looked up and it was one of the only open visions I've ever had in my life. My whole living room had turned into this open sea. It was an open ocean and there were huge swells in front of me. It wasn't a peaceful ocean, but I remember looking up and it was a, it was a blue sky. The sun was out. I remember even seeing seagulls flying. I, I knew it wasn't stormy, it wasn't dangerous, but it wasn't fun. <laughs> it wasn't comfortable. And as I looked around and, and took, you know, just inventory of my surroundings, I also noticed there was no land in sight. I couldn't see any land. And all of a sudden, Jesus stood right in front of me. He's right there and he's looking face to face with me, eyeball to eyeball. I want you to remember that he was to my right and I was to his right. It was that place of intimacy and he's looking at me and he's moving slowly backwards on these, this open ocean and he's doing this and he's like egging me on, come on, keep moving forward. And he's got this big smile of, of, um, excitement and anticipation. And he's just saying, come on, just keep following me one step at a time. Come on. And I was so safe in that moment. And I knew like, as long as I'm looking at him, I'm okay. As long as I'm following him, I'm okay. And then he said something to me. He said, Leslie, you're not going under. You're not going under. And you know how the Lord can speak one phrase. He can speak one word and it addresses a thousand questions. I knew what he meant when on the open seas, he meant you're not going underwater. You're not going to drown. But in my natural circumstances, I also knew he meant you're not going under, like you're not going bankrupt. You're not going to lose your house. You're not going to lose these things that, that are important to you and that you, you find joy in. You're not going under. And so much peace. And I begin to cry again and just like, okay, we're moving in the right direction. We're following Jesus. We're in a place of intimacy, surrendering everything, moving forward. We're where we're supposed to be. I can keep believing him. I can keep walking in faith, moving with him because he's right here. And then he said to me, reread Psalm 81. Read that again. So I picked up my Bible and I read Psalm 81 again and I came to the last verse. It's verse 16. And it says, but you would be fed with the finest of wheat. With honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. Guys, this is the richness of the kingdom right here. Things are not the richness of the kingdom, but intimacy with Jesus, intimacy with him and, and spending time with him and positioning yourself in that place of, of him on your right and you being on his right and believing him. Man, 
That's the greatest. That is the richness of the kingdom. That is the greatest position and place you can be in your life. And that is how you steward the promise of God is staying in that place where says, God, I don't know how you're going to bring this to pass. I don't know how you're going to move us out of 2020. I don't know how you're going to get rid of the coronavirus. I don't know what's next. But God, I know that if I keep my eyes on you, if I stay steadfast with you and I keep moving forward, even if I can't see three feet in front of me, you're going to lead me to an amazing place, an open field. And within that time, within the transition time, and even to the, the destined place, you're going to feed us with the sweetest honey, honey from a rock and the finest wheat. Guys, that is a word for us. That is a word we can take to the bank and trust the Lord in forever every season of our life, even when the enemy is trying to twist and bend and distort the things of God in our life, turn to the right, make the choice to believe him and to steward well the promises he has spoken over you. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.